1: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. The still unsettled market, the bear bounce, and whether yet another retail blowup just crushed the rally in its tracks. We'll discuss and debate that, of course, with the Investment Committee and joining me for the hour today, Bryn Talkington, Jenny Harrington, Steve Weiss, and Joe Terranova. Go to the wall. I'll show you what the markets are doing right now, pretty much at session lows. Dow's down, we'll call it 800, S&P 500 near 3%. NASDAQ's worse than that, three and a third percent decline for NAS. That's a 400-point loss. Russell's under big pressure today, too. Bond yields are on the rise, 10-year note yield. 292. We've almost now wiped out all of the Dow's gains over three days from the Thursday low. The obvious question then, Joe, becomes: Is the bear bounce over? And your actions would suggest that you think it is. And to refresh people's memory, uh, yesterday you sold Nvidia. Yesterday you sold Walmart. You had sold Chipotle on Monday, and then today I learned that you've sold Lululemon as well. Talk to us.
2: So I sat with you had the pleasure to sit with you yesterday at uh, the stock exchange and, and you asked me about target and the potential impact for target and I said they better not miss otherwise we have a problem. Well we, we have a problem now. Uh, I thought that we would be able to extend this bear market bounce a little bit further than we obviously are with uh, well, the results from target are completely negating that bear market bounce and now I have to worry about margin compression. Now, companies are no longer able to pass through the rising inflationary costs. So, I'm responding to that in my portfolio. Um, I I have a a very disciplined risk management strategy. I know it sounds like I keep saying I got stopped out of this, I got stopped out of that, but that's exactly what I need to be doing in this environment right now. I purchased Lululemon uh, earlier in February at 313.50, sold out of that today. That was on a technical basis, but also fundamentally, Scott, Lululemon is going to feel the challenge if the consumer is only focused on buying food and gasoline. And by the way, in addition to that, right before coming onto the show, I got stopped out of Marriott. I think I spoke with you yesterday on the Stock Exchange about my concerns with Marriott. That's a name that I entered uh, earlier in March at 159. The stock gave me a 19% rally. Up to 195 on April 21st. I'm not going to turn a winning trade, a 19% winning trade, into a losing trade. I'm stopped out of that one as well. So I, I incorporated risk management strategy. That's what I do. I'm protecting myself right now, and I think it's the right thing to do because certainly we now have to have this concern about margin compression, yeah. and previously that didn't exist. Yeah,
1: because this has now become a, a, a corporate story. I mean, even Cornell, CEO of Target, and we're going to get to the Target story. Trust me on that didn't talk about consumer slowdown, it's just they got caught by the consumer shopping a little bit differently. But it's a margin story. As Joe said, costs are up all over the place. Weiss, you are concerned about everything. That is no different from the view that you've shared with us for many, many weeks. Now you're short the XLF as a hedge. And maybe even more interesting than that is you sold uh, more Apple. You had told us the other day you had taken almost every position in your book down. Now you've sold more Apple. Why?
3: Well, it just goes to the thesis, and it's not been many weeks, it's been many months. And look, at first there was disbelief that, uh, that corporations are going to be hit in their margins, and we're seeing that come to fruition. And then there was disbelief that the economy is so strong, consumers are so strong, they can tolerate anything. We tend to live in a bubble when you're invested in the market and you're a financial professional. You're not living in the real world. You're not living in the real world of the 60 to 70 percent of the country lives paycheck to paycheck. So sometimes we forgot, forget that or gloss, gloss over it. That can't be the case anymore. Even the Home Depot numbers were disappointing in my view. Why? Because they had fewer transactions. That means fewer people are shopping there, but higher ticket items, and that's because of inflation. How long will that go on for? So in terms of Apple, even though the phone, phones are subsidized by the carriers, when you're facing recession, or I believe that if you're a responsible corporate management employee, meaning a CFO or a CEO or any line manager, that you've got to be storing cash. So if you think buybacks are going to save you in the market, they're not. We saw Target set where they're going to reduce the size of the buybacks that we had. And guess what? Buybacks, as we're seeing with Apple, can't forestall the current of selling. So that's why I'm more bearish. And I would also, if it's possibly more bearish, I'd also tell you that people are well aware now of what COVID did in terms of demand for a number of items, Peloton being, I guess, the most visible. And you had that short-term pop that people thought would last forever. What I will tell you at this point is that you've got a short-term pop from people that have been locked up for two years, that are flying, that are staying in hotels, and that's going to dissipate fairly quickly. To think that could last forever, and base your forecast on those continuing trends going on for an appreciable period of time Here in you. the face I of, of rising inflation is lunacy. I hear you. Look, I've, so I've, that's, I've, why, um, that's why I'm doing we've it. We've
1: made this point. I've, I've had this conversation many times on this program and elsewhere. Um, that if you are looking at the travel economy as the sign of ultimate strength for the consumer, you're looking in the wrong place because, of course, there's going to be a lot of spending there. There already is, and then it's going to come out of of other areas eventually. And even maybe in that space the services and travel business, it's going to come down there, too, after you have the initial burst of activity throughout the summer. it's easy to be negative it's easy to suggest okay everybody on the panel today is a seller i've gone through joe's sales over the last few days of very marquee names and steve weiss just told you about what he's doing and then jenny tweets a little bit earlier a lot of red equals a lot of opportunity and you are putting your money where your thumbs are i suppose if you're tweeting that Uh, because you added to disney uh you added to JetBlue you added to XPO, you added to GXO, you added to Aptiv. Can you take me through those briefly?
4: Sure, but just one thing, we had to fund those. So first let's start with the sales. So we sold Bricks and Walgreens where we thought there was limited upside. We trimmed huge winners, Bristol Myers and Northrop Grumman. And then we took that money in the big winners and we repositioned it into growth stocks that we think are legitimately oversold. So JetBlue, XPO, GXO, Aptiv, and Disney, they're all down 30 plus percent. We expect all of these companies have will have earnings growth in 2022 and 2023 in like the 20 plus percent range. So you've got JetBlue, where all the noise from the spirit takeover is completely clouding the stock. I think they'll get back to $1.18 of earnings. That's what analysts are expecting, trading at like $10, $9, a sh- $10 a share right now. XPO and GXO, there's just no doubt that logistics are so necessary, so in demand. They have huge earnings growth and the stocks are down 34 and 42 percent. Active benefits from EVs that should have earnings growth of um. I'm sorry, I think uh, shoot, I messed up on that one. I think 14 percent, and then Disney down 34 percent year to date. Our thesis is still intact that we get back to nine percent, nine to ten dollars of earnings. And Scott, that goes into your like we can't you know we can't look at. Travel and leisure and extrapolate that to the whole consumer, but we do know that money huge money is being spent there, and they are a direct beneficiary so really this was a portfolio repositioning mm-hmm. um, and I think this is what you do in these in these markets you make you make lemonade when you 've got some lemons there's huge opportunity to do this so, and you know before these guys these are all in our growth yeah
1: sorry no it's okay it's like GXO has suddenly become this battleground name on this program um, which Weiss has been I think one of the first to speak about, um, Stephanie Link told yep. me, I, maybe it was yesterday, day before, that she sold GXO. You just added to GXO. Mm-hmm. And Weiss, are you concerned about your own position in that stock in the here and now?
3: No, a- absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I love it. Uh, you know, We've invested privately in, in private market in infrastructure. And when I saw the rundown and what Jenny did adding to it, coincidentally, I was on the phone with GXO at the time. Let me tell you the headwinds there, the tailwinds there, rather. You're seeing deglobalization. So that's bringing the need for warehouses and logistics back here. Just in time inventory, that's dead. We're not going to see that again in our lifetime. That's coming back. So you're going to need more warehouse spacing. And you are at an end of what's available in warehouse spacing because without China, by the way, which has been shut for two months, imagine when it reopens. So GXO is the premier player. That's why Apple chose them for their outsourcing. Mm. They save companies two to 300 base points, that I've often said. That's why Intel has contracted with them for Intel's new fab. Mm-hmm. So all the tailwinds are at their back. Their quarter was phenomenal at 19% revenue growth. Mm-hmm. And this is a momentary dislocation, but logistics is ever more important now and the ability for companies to outsource that, not worry about labor, not worrying about you know about intermittent or you know sort of like uh, periodic booms in their inventory right, cycle. Right. Push that off on GXO because they can handle it.
1: All right. So Bryn, um, you've heard right. everybody's right. comments. And, I don't have you making. Hold on, Jenny. I'm sorry. I got to get Bryn in the conversation. I, I, I'll come back to you in a, in a bit. Uh, Bryn, you've you've heard everybody and you've you've heard about their moves too. Uh, so what? What's your perspective today on, you know, look, we're, well, Dow was down 800 points a, a moment ago. The fact that we're at session lows, now we've introduced this, this big issue over the past couple of days of, of corporate margins from Walmart to Target uh, and who knows who else at, at this particular time. Dow's down uh, just about 840 or so right now.
5: Yeah, I think that Walmart and Target you know, tell everybody that once again, even the most sophisticated companies are behind the eight ball. And that, you know, what did Brian Cornell say? They have a billion in incremental cost from transportation and, you know, inflation costs. And and obviously their inventories are building in technology. And so, you know, this is all, this is the year of the Fed. Anyone trying to fight the Fed, I just think it's futile. The Fed will win every time. And that's that's what's gonna be frustrating, I think, about the next few months, maybe next three or four months, as the Fed continues to talk incredibly hawkish, mm-hmm. and that now you have you know, profit margins, to me, are what the big sell-off are today, is that you know, analysts were still really bullish on earnings, still bullish on profit margins, but when you have 400 basis points of degradation from target, from profit margins, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a huge degradation there. And so I think you're gonna continue to have different sectors have their knees cap, cu- you know, cut off, And, you know, outside of energy, which has held on really well so far, there's been no place to hide in terms of having a positive return this year. But I would just, you know, investors need to be patient this year, not have a a trigger finger because once again, the Fed is adamant to slow the economy. That means they they want the consumer to slow down. They want the companies to slow down. They want unemployment to go higher. And the market is pricing all of this in day by day. And that's why you're going to continue to see multiples come down. And it's going to be a choppy year, which I think probably ends the year negative, which, which I felt that's a high probability of a, a zero or a negative easily at the end of the year.
1: I mean, Powell's trying to tell you that some people might not want to listen, might not want to hear it. But Powell's telling you, and he did yesterday, that he's ready for a fight and he's going to. Punch and punch and punch until he knocks inflation out. Whether some people want to believe it or not, because his comments yesterday was about as hawkish as they've they've been to, to date in that interview, the Q and A that he did with the Wall Street Journal. Um, the issue, obviously, there it is. Well, you know what we need to see is inflation coming down in a clear and convincing way, and we're going to keep pushing until we see that. And he said that among many other things, but that's the gist of it that gives you the flavor of what the narrative is. After he said all of that, then you get Target CEO Brian Cornell talking directly about what the Fed chair is trying to fight this crazy inflation and what Brian Cornell is trying to deal with a billion dollars in freight. The forecast there, it's an, it's an astounding number, which Cornell says things have changed from even 13 weeks ago. Sure, the product mix may not have been right. He said the consumer started to shop differently, but then he owned it. We didn't project properly. We own that. I own that. I mean, it's about as contrite as you've ever heard a, a CEO be ON TELEVISION AFTER THEIR NUMBERS ARE BAD AND THE STOCK REALLY DICTATES WHAT THEY'RE GOING TO HAVE TO DO IN TERMS OF THEIR MESSAGING. FOR MORE ON THAT, LET'S BRING IN HIGH TOWER'S STEPHANIE LINK. Steph, IT'S GOOD TO SEE YOU. WE HAD TO TALK TO YOU TODAY BECAUSE WE DID HAVE A CONVERSATION YESTERDAY AFTER WALMART ON OVERTIME WHERE I ASKED YOU DIRECTLY IF YOU WERE WORRIED AND YOU SAID YOU ARE OR YOU WERE Mm -hmm. ABOUT WHAT TARGET WAS GOING TO DELIVER. NOW THEY DELIVERED IT. WHAT DO YOU SAY NOW?
6: Yeah, and it's not a great day for me because I own it. Um, the offset is I also own TJX, uh, so there's a small little positive to, me to to that today. But on Target, look, I thought Cornell did a very good job explaining what happened in the quarter, talking about the tale of two stories, the front end and the back end. And, uh, and you know me, I'm going to start with the positive because at the front end, that actually was the bright spot, a 3-3 comp, two-year stack comp of 26%, Traffic at 4% may still very strong. They don't see a recession from the consumer. And I know he has a credibility issue at this point, but those are the, the facts are that the, the, the traffic and the demand is still there. To your point, the demand is shifting and the back end was a disaster. There's nothing good there. When you miss by 410 basis points relative to consensus on gross margins, that is huge. And, and that was a huge shock. We knew they were gonna see freight costs, supply chain issues didn't realize how much they were going to shift, the consumers was going to shift from discretionary to consumables. We did get a look yesterday from Walmart, they said the same thing, but I thought that that target would hold up better given their their very strong merchandise. Um, And then they had higher markdowns. So look, I think one of the things that's also putting into play here is that they had an analyst day on March the 1st. Mm -hmm. uh, And they actually reiterated all kinds of targets, uh, short term and long term. And then two and a half months later, they've got to revise EBIT down 25%. So, yeah, it should be down 25%. Yes, they are in the penalty box, but I am not going to sell down here. Even with the earnings revisions, it's still trading at 15 times. They are still buying back stock, and I think they've already reset the bad numbers.
1: Well, I can't help but think of the word that you use, I think, more than any other, Uh, whether it's Asking questions to guests of ours or the the way that you analyze companies, and that's margins. You always bring it up. Yeah, absolutely. You always talk about it, and mostly in a positive way, because it's one of the things you look at when you decide you're going to buy a stock or hold a stock. It's the margins. Are margins going to hold up? Here they are telling you directly that not only didn't they hold up, that they may continue to be even worse moving forward if inflation continues to be as bad as it already is. So I'm somewhat surprised that you're still willing to stick with a stock when your keyword is the most uncertain that it has been in years, if not decades.
6: But they just revised the numbers down by 25%, Scott. They're doing things. They're putting things in place. They already revised numbers even the second quarter. They told you the first half of the year is going to stink, and margins are going to be under pressure. But in the back half, they're going to put things into place. And I do think they're going to have to put some pricing into place. They They didn't say that today, but I think they're going to have to. But then what if supply chains actually do start to ease a little bit, right? They still have the people coming into the store. If they didn't, then the story is absolutely dead on arrival. But I think they've already reset the bar lower and it's already in the stock price. And again, 15 times earnings. You know, is it going to go higher from here in the short term? No, it's not. But I'm going to hold on to it and stay Mm -hmm. patient and be a long-term investor. And that's the way it is. But I absolutely am positively disappointed with the margins. You're spot on.
1: Yeah. Uh, You are a stand up person Uh, coming on. Stocks down 24 percent. You knew exactly what the conversation was going to be. Um, so I appreciate you being yep. here. Steph, we'll talk to you soon. That's Stephanie Link joining Check. us there. Um, I Thanks. mean, the reality setting in, right, for even the bulls, even the biggest bulls, like Brian mm-hmm. Belsky. BMO, right, their chief equity strategist, came on overtime yesterday, moments after he cut his own price target, which we have questioned him about on this program on numerous occasions. It was the highest on the street. It was 5,300. We said, how can it possibly stay at 5,300, given the dislocation in the market? He made his arguments until yesterday, when he cut it to forty-eight hundred. Reality check: He said a thirty percent move to fifty-three is not going to happen. Here's what he told me.
7: And the reality is, Scott, quite frankly, that to, to attain a thirty-four uh, percent move in markets from that four thousand or so uh, level was was not going to happen in our view. And again, we want to play a little bit prudent person rule here, but. We feel very comfortable with our revised target of 4,800 at year end, which is still a, a new, new price high, which gets us 20 percent.
1: 20 percent. Brian Belsky thinks that stocks can still go up 20 percent by the end of the year. That raises the questions for all of you of what stocks in your portfolio either are going to get us there or the ones that you're most worried about. And Jenny, I turn to you first of the, of the names that you have. You have a number that are down fairly substantially. B&G Foods is down 25% year to date. Unilever down 16. I'm thinking of those input costs and margins and all that stuff we just talked about.
4: So those are each 2% positions. B&G is a 2% position in the U.S. Dividend Strategy, Unilever is a 2% position in the International Strategy. They're not, I mean, when you ask the question coming up to the show, what are you worrying about? It was really hard for me to find out what I was worrying about because most of the companies in my portfolio are actually really well positioned for a rotten environment. They are cash flow oriented companies. And if we're in an inflationary or a stagflationary environment, who do you want to own? You want to own the companies that put cash in your pocket. So yeah, those two could be doozies. They also could be fine because as consumers, uh, sorry, as individuals are making more, as wages increase, they're going to be able to pass some costs on. So I'm not terribly worried. That was me just trying to find up uh, find two companies that I could give you that I worry about more than others. For okay. the most part, I think you can actually be okay. And you know, can I just say one thing on the Belsky thing? He might be right. Maybe it's up 20%. That would put the market up 3% on the year. That's not that crazy. But in any case, you want to own companies that have real growth, real multiples and are pumping out cash. flow. No,
1: but I want, well, why isn't it crazy? I mean, why? Why should our viewers think that from right here that stocks can go up 20 plus percent, given the fact that we're down another two and a half to 3% today? How, how are they going to do that?
4: Because the economy isn't that weak and the consumer isn't that weak and the consumer still has a ton of cash in their pockets. And I think that the market can shift where you have the the XPOs and the GXOs and the Jetblues. they could lead the way up. Those stocks shouldn't be down 40%. So they could easily rally. I don't think you need the same leadership that we've had in the past five years to drag the overall market up. I think energy is going to continue to lead. So I, I think all of that could work. People can make money if they just shift out of what they had that have dragged them down and into new things that are down too much and can bring them up for the rest of the year. So I think it's possible. I don't think it's probable. I think it's possible. I'm clearly shifting from the negative perspective that I had when I was arguing with Belsky last fall. And I was negative and he was bullish. Now I'm feeling more, more bullish. Valuations are getting more reasonable. There are things to buy. Sorry, one more thing on that. Interestingly, if we talk about the Target and the TJ Maxx, TJ Maxx actually had totally solid margins. Ross Stores is reporting tomorrow. That's another company in my portfolio. I'm not worrying about Ross Stores margins, but we don't own Walmart because we worried about theirs. So this is where you can't own retail broadly, but you can own certain retailers. And you Joe, can have some really nice returns in All them. right,
1: Joe, um, this Belsky move, you know, I told him yesterday when we had the conversation, I knew that we were going to have it. It was just a matter of, of when. And it's not a knock on on Brian. He just didn't want to be the one to sit there and the market falls out of bed. So he cuts his price target right then and there. He said that was one of his his pet peeves that he, he didn't want mm-hmm. to do. But I think we all knew it was coming. The other side of the call, though, he did not take down his earnings projections even by a dollar. OK, he kept those the same, even as he raised, uh, dumped his price target, but then suggested that stocks could still rise by 20 percent or so by the end of the year.
2: So I think we we have a tsunami of bad news right now that's affecting investors, and that's why we're wallowing at the bottom of this range, and that's probably why we're going to extend the sell-off even further in the coming weeks. I do think the potential is there for a positive, exogenous shock that would take markets in the second half of the year higher, and I'm positioned for that. Let me be clear. I am invested, either a resolution between Russia and Ukraine, hopefully we get that, or... More realistically, Scott, you have tariffs hanging out there and President Biden's administration for the good of the country can temporarily suspend or relax those tariffs. That would have a positive effect on inflation, even if they didn't temporarily suspend the tariffs. What they could do is grant exclusion to companies that are importing Chinese goods temporarily. Well, of course, the perception of that, the it's market a will rally problem. It's and for a, the go-
1: it's a political issue for them. <laughs> that's the problem.
2: Okay. Well, but you know what? It, put the politics aside, Treasury uh, Secretary, Treasury Secretary Yellen is, is, is smart enough to recognize it and to support it for the good of the country. That's exactly what we should be doing. The timing is right. The tariffs from President Trump expire in July. The review of necessity is going on right now. I'm not going to sit here and debate whether those tariffs were good or not for the market. But you have an opportunity here to help the inflationary pressures. Let's take advantage of that, at least temporarily. All right. So let's just update
1: you. We're about 24 minutes through the program and just give you a little bit of a reset uh, on the market. You can see we are at the lows of the session really across the board. The Dow Jones Industrial Average has given up 32K. It's down uh, 850 plus points. That's two and two thirds percent or, or thereabouts. S&P 500 has given up 4,000. That's a loss of a little better than 3% at this moment, 128 points. NASDAQ is down just about 4%, a little bit less than that, but it's still a loss of 450. So we're, we're at the lows of the day for stocks, So let's add another person to the conversation, Courtney Garcia, uh, Payne Capital Management. It's good to see you. Uh, she's a senior wealth advisor, uh, of course. So what's your view here uh, as we find you at the lows of the day now and we're wondering if we're going to have that bear market bounce, which we did. Maybe mm-hmm. it's over.
8: Yeah, and I don't think we're necessarily at the end of the selling here. Um, it's really what we were talking about last week is I think there's probably still a little bit more pain in the market. There's still a lot of nervousness. Um, I don't think the volatility is quite where we see it when the markets are bottoming. And I think longer term speaking here, and you guys have really touched on this with the show, and I completely agree. I don't really think the economy is necessarily impending a recession. I think the economy is in a lot better shape than the markets would suggest they are right this second. I also think the consumer, after we're seeing what happened with Walmart and Target, there's like a lot of negative sentiment there. But what very well might be happening is just a shift in their behavior as opposed to them really not being able to spend as much. And I don't think we're seeing the end of the consumer spending quite yet. And I think a lot of these things can really lead to continuing improvements in the economy. And some po- positive catalysts are definitely not being priced in here, which could definitely lead to a better second half of this year. Yeah. So are we at the end of this? Uh, I'd love to say so. I don't think so. But I think we're getting closer to a bottom
1: here. Do you, I mean, how does the rest of the year look? to you, considering we're literally just coming off of a conversation where we, you know, had someone suggest that you could go up 20 percent.
8: I'm definitely on the on the optimistic side here. I mean, I, I'm not I don't know how 20 percent is going to go from here, but we could easily see a positive year this year. I mean, just take 2020 as a good example, we're down 35 percent in a matter of a couple of weeks. That was a positive year. These things do happen. Markets can turn on a dime. And I just think that's something investors don't want to forget. But the leaders might change here. Like today is a good example. It's always our tech firms that are selling off the most because even if inflation comes down, it is still going to be the headline this year. So I think looking at some of your cyclicals, not being over, overweight in some of your mega, tap, mega tech caps, I think it's still gonna be really important as the consumer here to make sure you have those inflation hedges.
1: So is, is that your, the place you really want to be right now? Has it, you know, technology, given how, how significant the sell-off in those stocks has been?
8: No, no, sorry, the opposite. Right. So I'm looking at like we definitely have energy, we have commodities, things are going to they're going to offset inflation. I have your tech. I'm not selling out of it by any means. But I'm definitely not overweighting that category right now. I think that very well could continue to underperform in the short term. I think we could see a bounce. I mean, it's such a sell off here, but longer term, I'm just not overweighting that right now, because that is one of your longer duration assets that will continue to get um, not be rewarded as rates mm. are rising.
1: What's your top sector right now?
8: Um, I'm definitely still looking at whether it's energy, commodities, and definitely looking at value over growth right now. I really think your cyclicals are going to continue to outperform here.
1: Mm. Yeah, Bryn, I mean, I, I think maybe that matches up with you, right? You're not ready in any way to give up on on energy commodity related trades at, at this particular time, right?
5: Yeah, no, especially energy. I mean, I think today when you see energy, you know, selling off with the rest of the market, if you get more of this, this will be another opportunity for for investors to come back in but not not all commodities are, are are traded equal i mean you know copper sold off quite a bit you know gold's been doing terrible and so i mean i think energy is a, a special commodity over the next few years just because we have such tight supply and i mean what's what's incredible is that you know china's still closed or shanghai and beijing and and oil's still extraordinarily high what happens when china and when shanghai and beijing open so you want to stay long the energy trade I would agree with, with tech, it's probably too early to, to add to those positions. But but I do think investors also need to remember how quickly things change. And, you know, I don't think, though, that the Fed's going to be able to get fed funds much, about, much above 2%. And so we're also in an election, uh, a midterm. And so I'm definitely open to the idea. I have no idea how it happens that the, that the end of the year looks very different than what we're experiencing right now.
1: Mm, yeah, uh, one can hope. Uh, Courtney, what about the defensive trades uh, that have worked so well the the staples utilities and and things like that is is that done
8: Uh, not necessarily I I really think you're as we're seeing these markets shift you're seeing these same things over and over markets are selling off today again it's your tech firms that are selling off the most so I think having some of those defensive in there is going to be important right now um I think we're, we're again, we're not at the end of this, though, and I think the sh- cycles we're seeing, the overall macro review hasn't changed over, uh, generally speaking. So you want to still make sure you have those same sectors and position yourself that as the markets are recovering, it's going to be those cyclicals defensives. They're they're going to have an important place still.
1: Mm-hmm. Courtney, I appreciate it very much. Thanks for coming on the program. It's, it's good Thanks to have me. you. Uh, Joe, how, how does all that sound to you?
2: Sounds excellent. Um, I, I like the way she's thinking about the market. Uh, She's obviously prioritizing risk and diversification, and I think those are the two strategies that you need to have right now. Avoid concentration, and please do not try and catch those falling chainsaws, uh, because we know how that's going to punish you. Well,
1: I don't know. I'm looking at a UBS call uh, today, Steve. uh, They upgraded tech, believe it or not, to overweight, Uh, and it was from underweight, and it's led by software. I'm wondering what you think of of this call, uh, because it's somewhat controversial, obviously, in the environment that we're in. Yeah.
3: Well, I I think people are trying to pick the bottom, and it depends on your time frame. That's always the out. Um, You know, like Belsky's 4,800 target. He'll be right. I just think it's going to be next year or the year after, not this year. And in terms of tech and software, there are values there. I'm not going to dispute that. But you're losing the valuation umbrella. So the value. So the market's going to come down to meet that. And as I said, it's going to overshoot on the downside coming into today or going into yesterday we're about 17 times on a P.E. basis. I think we're going to get down to 14 times. And by the way, that's going to be with lower earnings. So you've got that double whammy. I'm not ready to buy them yet. At some point I will. I've looked at some of the names I've sold and you're looking at 10 times earnings for companies that that are growing 20 percent. So it's compelling. Just the overall market backdrop is keeping me on the sidelines because I think I'll get better bargains in better companies if I'm
1: patient. Man, I'm looking at, you know, as the Nasdaq is, is selling off pretty hard. I think, what did we say it was, 450 the last time that we checked or, or in, in that ballpark? Check. Boy, Apple is down uh, near 5%, Bryn, right now. It's uh, $142 and change, but that's a near 5%. Decline, and you just don't see declines like that among the mega caps. Since we're sitting here talking about upgrading tech to overweight, are you comfortable being in names like Apple and some of the other mega caps right now?
5: Well, we haven't seen these declines in a long time, but clear- clearly these declines have happened before. And you know, I'm never amazed at how low stocks can actually go when you get into this environment. So, um, am I comfortable owning Apple? Yes. Am I comfortable comfortable owning the Q's? Um, I've sized it right, but I hate seeing it go, you know, it's down. Right. But ultimately, when I look at, you know, the constituents of the queues, you know, there's some great companies, Google and Google and Facebook, you know, um, continue to get cheaper, have really good margins. But this is just if you're going to invest in tech and stay invested, I think expect these stocks to go lower. I mean, volatility is high. And I think that Walmart and Target. Amazon doesn't look good here, and I think that's why Amazon's down, what, 5% today? That, that stock does give me cons- concern, because if you look at Walmart and Amazon, Walmart and target, target on the logistics, you know, Amazon definitely has, they're the epicenter of logistics, and, and, and we'll, we'll see how, how well they play that. But Amazon being down 5% also, to me, de- definitely has, has me nervous.
1: We had this previously planned uh, big tech day, if you will, here at CNBC before the Nasdaq fell out of bed again today, and Deirdre Jabosa just happened to be looking at Amazon with a closer look on, on what's happening here, Dee.
9: Yeah, it was the perfect intro. It's the biggest loser today and the year. You guys were just talking about this. It has been vulnerable to the macro backdrop. There's overcapacity at its factories, inflation pressures, labor issues. In fact, its weighting and influence in the Nasdaq has decreased as well since its peak. And even though this is a stock that has fallen the furthest percentage-wise among the mega caps we are featuring, it is still by far the most expensive in terms of that P-E ratio. So what does Wall Street think? Well, it is overwhelmingly positive, but that's not super helpful because Wall Street is positive on all of the mega caps hardly a sell rating to be found. So we looked beyond the surface for you guys and price target from analysts that may be a more relevant signal for Amazon. The trajectory is down, as you can see from that line, that dip at the end there for other names like Alphabet, Microsoft and Apple. That line is flat. It's a lot more steady. So, Scott, perhaps that signals less confidence in that upside for Amazon.
1: Yeah, well, I'd love to find out what others think on the desk, D. Um, thank you for teeing, us, teeing it up like that. Um, Joe, Amazon was named a top pick today at J.P. Morgan to exactly what D was talking about, the love that Wall Street continues to have for this name, right? 4000 bucks. they prefer it among all of the mega caps. You look at that P.E. that D talked about and we showed on the wall, 71 and a half times forward.
2: So the problem that I have with a lot of the mega cap companies, in particular a name like Amazon right now, is as the market continues to deteriorate, understand a lot of these names are their names that are being put in place as securities for debt financing, funding a lot of the investments. And we we all know SoftBank is one of the names that does that. So as markets move lower, these have to become a source of funds because you're placing those securities in a position of holding against the debt. Uh, so that's the trouble, and that's where you kind of lose the fundamental perspective, and it just really becomes uh, un- un- unabated selling. Uh, I- I look at just Tesla today. Tesla's down 6.5%. Okay, the correlation to that is what? Well, where's Twitter? $37. Does that deal possibly happen if the market continues to, ter- to deteriorate in the capacity that it does? I don't think so at all. So I think you have to be careful with a lot of these tech names where you see a dislocation of fundamentals because it's really about raising liquidity and selling these names uh, to to offset a lot of the financing that's been done against them. I keep
1: hearing, though, Jenny, you know, if you're going to if you're going to buy technology, you want to stay with the quality, right? You don't you don't want to. I mean, at least people say who've come on this program, you don't want to go into the still high valuation names, even ones that may look cheap and are down 75% plus or so. You want to stay with quality names like the mega caps, they suggest the apples of the world and the Microsofts and, and the others like an Amazon. How do you see that? Because you don't own all of these stocks.
4: Right. I define quality differently. I define quality as Cisco systems where there's a lot of positive momentum of network demand, or AMAT, which is down 21% for the quarter, but has 18% EPS growth, or frankly, IBM, that's finally getting the wind under its, under its wings. It trades at a cheap multiple, 4.7% yield. So I define quality quite differently. Um, you know, I'm listening to the Amazon Apple conversation, and I'm thinking to myself, how wonderful that I don't need to worry about these. The only time I need to think about them or worry about them is when I'm going to be on TV. Otherwise, they're not my problem. You know, I have this portfolio that's at the margins or other places, and that's a good place to be right now. So you can own tech, but I don't want to own what's in the limelight.
1: Concerned at all about Cisco? It does report earnings after the bell, doesn't it? Or tomorrow, after the bell today.
4: They do, and actually, yeah, no, not at all. And that's another one where we think margins are actually going to come in pretty positively. Um, So thinking through what you own and where the pressures are, you know, no, I don't want to own Walmart. Yes, I do want to own Cisco. I don't have a margin concern coming up there.
1: So, Weiss, how do you see this this conversation then? You know, it it is and and we constantly hear quality, 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 no matter what kind of stock you're buying. But particularly in this environment, it's all about quality. At least that's what the people who are running money suggest to us. It is. But then how do I view the mega cap stocks, which, you know, today, I mean, names like Amazon, for example, um, which are one of the worst Uh, performers and a stock that has come down a lot and still has a pretty lofty valuation attached to it
3: yeah you know when when i came into the year i said that the the fang stocks can be a place to hide and clearly that was wrong Uh, on a relative basis i guess they've done better than some of the others i sold my amazon as you know a, a few weeks ago and glad i did the valuation is too high period at some point a company gets so big that it can't grow like it used to. And Amazon can't even make acquisitions that will grow their business, nor can the other fangs, because the Biden administration has said, no, we're against that. So I think Amazon's got some issues going forward. I believe that, you know, in terms of their AWS offering, that we're seeing the end of the Uber growth there. It'll still grow nicely, but you've got others coming to space and prices consideration because it's difficult To determine which is better what's the better value proposition it's only going to be based on price so that's a major reason I sold it and the consumer so I just don't think consumers that strong I think it is right now but it's a bubble and going forward do the math you'll have that the the consumer in the luxury segment will still do fine but everybody else the numbers just don't add up and I don't know why people don't see that so they'll spend less apparently
4: I disagree on that though. Go. Okay, I disagree that it's like only the luxury segment will do well. So as you guys know, I bought American Eagle for the dividend strategy two weeks ago. So on that one, it's trading at six times earnings. And there you have a company that's expecting the consumer, sorry, a stock price that's expecting the consumer to be so weak that it's kind of expecting earnings to be cut in half. They have $2 a share of earnings right now, a $0.72 dividend trading at six times. I don't think the consumer is going to stop spending at American Eagle by 50%. Maybe a little, but there's this disconnect out there between the share prices and what's really going on. I think that's why it's dangerous to try to call exactly the bottom. Don't look for the bottom, look for individual stocks that have likely bottomed. Now I didn't nab the bottom of AEO, but I did buy it down 40%. So I don't think it's just consumer luxury that'll do well. Look at TJ Maxx, look at what Ross Stores is probably going to happen. You have to sift through, be really, really picky, but look at the mix between what earnings are logically going to be, reasonably going to be, and what the share price is expecting. And try to find something where the share price is expecting the worst case, and actually the worst case probably isn't going to play out.
3: All right, let's do this. Let's take well, a quick. I, I want to congratulate. Go ahead. Can Go ahead. congratulate Jenny? She's able to predict earnings, but Walmart, Home Depot, Target, they can't. And they're Give me right in their a break, so, Weiss. Kudos, kudos to Jenny.
4: What, that I'm saying they're not going to drop by 50 percent? That's not such a prediction.
3: I don't think a 35 percent payoff for their dividend is the right thing to do when you're facing a recession. And
4: that's well, right going to go higher, like that payout. 100 per- Sorry. It, it, it's over 100% coverage right Thank now. Thank you. All
1: right. That's my case. All right. We, we were going to, we'll take a quick break. I think everybody needs a break. We'll be right back. Much more ahead. Stocks uh, right now, Dow's down by 815 points. I have some bullish calls in the payments space today. Visa and MasterCard, both initiated by Goldman Sachs. It's our call of the day. Bryn, you own Visa. You prefer it over MasterCard?
5: They're both great. I own Visa. I'm going to stick with Visa. What's interesting, we're talking about profit margins earlier with Target. You know, the margins of these companies are in the 40s. And as the consumer gets weaker, which I think the consumer will get weaker because we're a 70% consumer led economy and Jay Powell wants the consumer to get weaker, therefore to lower growth. I think that swipes will continue. I like Visa more only because they have more US exposure on the margin. And I think that globally, the US will be more insulated than a Europe or, or what have you. So I think it's a, a good call. I like Visa here. Um, if it continues to get cheaper, I, I probably will sell out of some other names that haven't done well and buy some more.
1: Joe, Visa, MasterCard, FinTech. What floats your boat?
2: Quite candidly, I've missed both Visa and MasterCard. Uh, I should be in both of these names. They offer the type of defensive positioning that I think right now in this environment where growth is challenged and inflation is rampantly out of control. These are the type of names that you want to have transactional in their nature. They're not taking any credit risk. Um, So both of these names are names that I've I've written down here and, and I may have to take a position in them soon enough.
1: We'll see if they can I mean year to date down five percent, five and a half for MasterCard seems like a win. I and mean, it goes to the overall environment. Like it sure down slightly is like the the new up, Jenny.
4: So both Visa and MasterCard, even being down on the year, are still too rich for us. They would be candidates for our disciplined growth strategy, but that strategy needs a 5% or better free cash flow yield and significant earnings growth. So they don't work for us. So in that space, kind of, we own Western Union with a 5 and change percent yield in the dividend portfolio. We own Fiserv in the growth portfolio. So just a different, a different take on the space.
1: All right, up next, the stock Steve Weiss just sold. We'll tell you what it is when we come back on The Half. Steve Weiss has another move that we need to discuss. It did uh, Delta Airlines, which I thought was going to be a little more longer term for you. And we had this conversation, but a couple of days ago. Why did you get out now?
3: Yeah, I thought it'd be longer term, too, but it was up 10 percent in in less than a week. So in this kind of market, you got to book the profits when you can. Airlines, you only rent anyway. The question is, do you rent them for a week, for a month, for six months or for a year? because they're such capital-intensive companies yeah. and uh, so cyclical. So that's why I sold it. Well, I mean, the gain, it a it, rare gain in this market.
1: I'm Sorry to interrupt you. It, it feels like when I, when I heard this news, I'm like, United Airlines changed the trajectory of this trade for you in some respects, right? They, they raised their outlook yesterday. Without a doubt. Yep, Kirby was, was positive. All, the whole sector ripped, and it made perfect sense to me why you would not be willing to stick around if your overall view was as negative as it is.
3: Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely right. And keep in mind, I bought it when everybody turned negative on it. And I think this is a short-term pop. Look, you know, business travelers are getting back on the road also. We talked about the consumer, but the business travelers are getting back on the road also because they haven't seen their accounts, their customers, whatever, their suppliers, for two years. Then they're going to go back to Zoom. Who wants to be on a plane more than they have to? So, look, take advantage of when the world turns positive in this market uniformly, then I think that's time to, to get away. I think this will be the last good quarter for the airlines, by the way. As you go into the fall, summer travel, which, by the way, was booked months ago. So that's not a current thermometer on the temperature of the consumer that's flying or the business person. So that's why I got out, yep.
1: taking the easy money and leaving. I, I hear you. Uh, we told you earlier, uh, and I'm sure you, you, you know, know by now that Brian Belsky from BMO has cut his price target for the S&P for the year from 53. 100 to 4,800. He joins us on the phone uh, right now because as I mentioned to you, he did not bring his earnings projections down. And Brian, I appreciate you coming to the phone because I really wanted to ask you about that specifically. We went through why mm-hmm. you cut your, your target yesterday in overtime, but I'm wondering if what Target had to say today and, and the reality of where margins seem to be going are going to cause you to take a look at that as well. It's a great question. Thank
7: you so much for having us back on. One of the other moves we did make yesterday, obviously, too, was we talked a little bit about bringing that consumer discretionary weighting down, and we did that. We went more neutral consumer discretionary, given the fact of what we've seen in the high valuation part of the market. Remember, too, that Tesla and Amazon are technically consumer discretionary stocks and really skew what's happening there. But there's no doubt that that Target's numbers were, were in what Walmart said uh, previously to that now walmart may have more execution issues than target does but then you also have to take into account uh... the great management and so far of what's happened with tj maxx another name that we own and then home depot so again these fears with respect to the to the consumer pricing and then i think where your question's going the margin effect and then where the margin effect has to do with the overall earnings environment it's very clear that sales growth has been very strong and like we said yesterday too when you're looking at when you're looking at a company holistically, you're looking at all parts of the financial statements, And I think the financial statement, stability and strength of, of U.S. companies in the wherewithal of that cannot be debated. So we actually think, again, that, that earnings could be a, a better poise for the second half of the year. And I know I was listening earlier, and Joe was talking about some sort of an upside surprise. I think the market's not, not anticipating, not positioned for any kind of upside surprise in the second half of the year and that's why we feel so comfortable number one with our earnings target but number two uh as history also being a guide that we do indeed have seen markets in the past have these types of recoveries out from either cyclical bear markets like the market is acting like or just this correction phase that we can have this 20%
1: bounce. i'm thinking of you know a line that you just said um sales growth has been has been good and it has been good because co- companies have been able to pass on costs to customers who've been willing to buy. But you're seeing fewer customer transactions these days, as Home Depot, as you just cited, uh, said in their earnings report. Now people paid up, the tickets were more expensive because you know, products have, been, or have become more expensive become, because of inflation. At some point, that's gonna run its course. The, the consumer is not going to be either willing or able to continue to pay up for these high prices, which the targets of the world literally just told you they can't raise any more. So that would seem to mess with your projection a little bit, I think.
7: Mm, Yes and no. I mean, the the, the consumer still, I mean, obviously, we know you never bet against the U.S. consumer, number one. Number two, I think what's interesting is the way that the market is trading, the way that the market is is, is acting around these companies, they're e- they're 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 treating all companies equal, which we know is not the case. And so, there's a very good chance that Target's going to be doing a better job relative to Walmart, or Costco's going to be doing a better job of wel- relative to why, um, but to why? People. why? Because, but why? Because, Brian Cornell because- told you that he
1: did. He he did. These are my words. Um, Mm -hmm. he did a bad job of 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 forecasting he owned it he ate it right walmart had similar problems they projected poorly but what gives you confidence that they're going to be able to do that any better moving forward in what is a quickly changing environment
7: Well, here's my confidence my confidence is, is that is that it's still just like at the stock pickers market Companies are going to be able to do things better as well, and I do think that the consumer is still going to spend hundred dollars, Scott. They're just going to maybe spend a bit much more concentrated on where they spend that money, and that money is still there. Now, it is troubling <clears throat> that they've been bottling up and not passing along these costs. But again, there, there's a very good chance that that some of these that some of these pressures with respect to supply chains could fall off really dramatically the second half of the year and inflation could drop off and some of this may be a moot point. And yeah, there is going to be some costs that are going to be passed along, but, but the consumer remains resilient. And that's why we're so bullish on
1: that. All right. I appreciate you coming to the phone uh, on a moment's notice. That's you Brian Wabelski from BMO. We'll take a quick break. We'll do final trades next. I hope to join me in overtime tonight, just about three hours from now. Adam Parker will be with me from Trivariate. Josh Brown, Halftime Investment Committee, will be with me. Wells is Chris Harvey making a new call on the market, at least one part of it. He'll tell you what that is. We'll kick everything around as well, and I'll see you in OT a little bit later on. Jenny, give me a final trade, please.
4: I spent the last two days at a midstream energy conference and have never felt better about enterprise products. It's a 7% yield,
5: a very safe place to hide in this environment.
1: Okay, appreciate that idea. Uh, Bryn.
5: Uh, BHP, the Australian commodity juggernaut. Um, China will reopen. There's an election year in China. Um, it has a 9% yield. It, cr- it crosses all across commodities. It's at around 64. I think it's a good entry point for the rest of the year.
1: All right, Steve Weiss.
3: I would sell Docs D-O-C-S. They reported bad number, still way too expensive. I still like cash.
1: All right, and uh, Joe T.
2: And I own Progressive Corp. PGR in Joe T. Nice share, holder return, buying back stock, returning a dividend.
1: And green on the screen. Yay. I mean, not everything is red, <laughs> albeit slightly. <laughs> I will see you later in overtime. The exchange begins now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.
4: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation.